1: So, who will be the nominee? Now, not for the Republicans. It's probably going to be Donald Trump. But who are the Democrats going to run? It's not going to be the big guy. Just a few hours ago, the Republicans released their impeachment resolution. There's a long list of reasons for it, most of which you've heard about. Quote, The Biden family and associates received more than $24 million from foreign nationals. Joe Biden received $200,000 from his brother James Biden the same day James received a $200,000 loan from a failing rural hospital operator. Joe Biden also received $40,000 and laundered Chinese money from his brother and sister-in-law. It's become clear that the Biden family sold influence around the world using Joe Biden's name as the product. An investigation in any jurisdiction around the country would move forward if it had these facts. A vote on impeachment inquiry puts the House in the best position to prevail in court and uncover the truth, unquote. That's from Representative Kelly Armstrong of North Dakota. And that's what the demediocrats refer to as having no evidence. These are the same people who impeached Donald Trump over a phone call, remember, and they'll still be saying there's no evidence On the cable news shows tonight, you can count on that. But here's some evidence that they can't ignore. The polls say 53% of Democrats and 72% of independents think Hunter Biden profited off the big guy's position. 56% of all voters think Hunter took bribes, and Joe is obviously clueless and demented. There's no way he can handle going out on the road to campaign, and the basement's not going to work this time. And lots of Democrats have actually been going public for a while now, a couple of months anyway, saying that he shouldn't run, coming right out out and saying it. Maybe he will run, but you could bet money that they know that he won't get the nomination because they have a plan. You could also probably bet money that the plan will not include people voting. In Florida, they've already declared that no one other than Biden can run in the primary. No opposition in an election. How about that? But remember, it's Donald Trump who wants to be a dictator. When we come back, why Taylor Swift is the most insufferable woman in America and why the Democrats love her and why she's their secret weapon. And in our second half hour, there's a proposal out there for colleges to pay football and basketball players a salary, all above board. And the proposal was made by the president of the NCAA. Stick around. Well, what does uh, Taylor Swift have in common with Charles Lindbergh, FDR, JFK, uh, Winston Churchill, Adolf Hitler even? She's probably a better singer than all of them, but as of a couple of days ago, she has in common with them the Time Magazine Person of the Year. That's what she is now. Avita Duffy Alonso of The Federalist has named her the most insufferable woman in America. That's another title for her. And Evita joins us now. Thanks for coming on the show again, Avita.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So how can this be? You're you're a 24-year-old American woman, as you point out in your column. All 20-something American women love Taylor Swift, don't they?
2: They do, and I, I understand the, the nostalgia impact that Taylor Swift has for a lot of people, right? I grew up listening to her music. A lot of other people grew up listening to her music. That doesn't mean that her... Her music is amazing, that she's not that she's an artistic genius. And it also doesn't mean that she's, you know, a a person deserving of the times person of the year. Right. I think that they purposely are pushing Taylor Swift on us. The media has been uh, losing their minds over Taylor Swift. It's been it's been truly nauseating, the amount of fawning over her that we've seen. Um, And I think it's because Taylor Swift is the perfect, controllable woman. She's a mask wearer. She's a feminist. She's a Joe Biden supporter. She's not a radical leftist. Right. She is somebody that they can pull out and use whenever they want to um, to to shill for Democrats. That is what Taylor Swift represents. um, And and that is, I think, why they are pushing her on us so often.
1: And so you're saying her music might be a little overrated, though.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, like I said, I grew up listening to her songs. There's something nostalgic about it, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily good music. Mm-hmm. She, she's, she has very repetitive melodies. She uses the same ones uh, all the time. She also has a very repetitive uh, uh, lyrics, right? She's somebody who's constantly singing about uh, all of her ex-boyfriends, complaining about her ex-boyfriends. Um, there's something I think that's actually, that's rarely talked about, really, is how bad I feel for all of her her ex-boyfriends write that this she's exposing private parts of, of their relationship to the public, slamming them publicly via her songs. Um, they don't get to ever come forward and give their side of the story and then taylor swift is the perpetual victim through all this imagine that this multimillionaire woman is the perpetual victim um and, and I, I think that there's something really unfair about that and i don't think that the that the music is 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 amazing i mean i'm thinking of like free bird by leonard skinner and like you know janice joplin um you know some of the, the amazing artists that we've had in in, in america in, in american music and i don't really think that Taylor Swift is is the the artistic icon that that the media wants us to believe she is.
1: Well, should men consider it an honor to be uh, one of her former boyfriends who's been trashed uh, in one of her uh, in one of her songs in one of her hits?
2: No, I mean, I, like I said, I, I feel really bad for a lot of these guys. And at one point, I think we all have to start thinking if Taylor Swift has had literally over a dozen relationships and most of them have gone up in flames, maybe that means Taylor Swift is the problem. Maybe she's not the victim who's dated so many bad guys. Maybe she's a a really bad girlfriend who, who is kind of, who's plagued by narcissism and is a bad romantic partner. Um, But if you talk about that and if you talk about, the way that she's written her songs um, to be exclusively about ex-boyfriends of hers, Taylor Swift herself will accuse you of misogyny, which is why so many have said, does Taylor Swift even know what feminism means or what misogyny means? Does she know anything? Uh, And the answer is no. And that's actually why she's so valuable to Democrats is she doesn't really know, what she thinks she's trying to say the right thing and do the right thing and and not get canceled all the time right um she'll weaponize feminism for her own benefit um and and that that makes her somebody that that they can call on to say what they want to what they want her to say at any point in time and she'll do it
1: and so uh not loving taylor swift is not allowed in 2023
2: No, it's not, which is so silly, right? I mean, everybody's allowed to have their own opinions, and even leftists have pointed out that saying somebody is a sexist or a misogynist just because they don't like your music or or think that you might have been mean to your ex-boyfriends doesn't d- d- does not equate sexism, right? And she so she's just she's just somebody who who doesn't really understand anything about feminism. She doesn't understand anything about politics, frankly. She's somebody who said the BLM riots are the fault of Donald Trump. Meanwhile, Democrats put their COVID tyranny on hold to egg on the arson and terrorism that was happening in American cities. Uh, she she just takes the talking points and the cues from mainstream Democrats and regurgitate them out and that is why I think she is very valuable to them.
1: A lot of um, artists, singers, actors, just people in showbiz have seen their careers suffer because they took a political position. Obviously, usually that happens when they take the wrong political position on the wrong side, the right side, Um, but uh, she is taking all the right positions. As you said, she's a big supporter of Black Lives Matter, and she's a, she's a Trump hater. Could this is there is there um, are there enough people out there that when more stories like yours are told, and when 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 she's exposed more, uh, the way you've exposed her in this piece, that 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 people could turn on her, or is her popularity that strong that she can just about get away with anything?
2: yeah so I think there's there's two things going on. so Taylor Swift is undeniably popular um, I, I think I think that's true. I think my a colleague of mine wrote that that's actually an indictment of our culture and that we don't have a very sophisticated taste in music um, because we've been conditioned to to uh, enjoy really uncomplicated uninteresting uncreative melodies, uh, which is why Taylor Swift is popular. but then we also have the media who is all could, in conjunction with sort of the, the degradation of, of the American music case, uh, pushing for Taylor Swift left and right, talking about her, writing articles about her, having TV segments about her, um, always fawning over her, uh, and her and even her, her relationship with Travis Kelsey, which I'm not sure is going to last. Um, and and, and there is a, there's a reason for that. And it's not just her politics and that she's willing to show for Democrats. It's also because Taylor Swift, represents a lifestyle in America that that Democrats need to see continue. That lifestyle is single, young women. D- this demographic of people who... Who are all about their jobs and their careers and their cats, and they don't have a family and they don't have kids, are some of the most dependable Democrat voters in the country. And Taylor Swift represents that demographic, and she also fuels that lifestyle. The unfortunate thing is that Taylor Swift, when she goes home from her show, she goes home to her mansion and her and her private jets and her and her. I'm sure she has a lot of staff too that clean her house for her and do her do her lawn work, and she she has it all, right? The young women that are being influenced by her to pursue that girl boss lifestyle, they go home to crappy little apartments in cities that they can't afford. It's much less glamorous, um, and, and it leads to a lot more sadness.
1: Yeah. So if, if Taylor had shown up at a Kansas City Chiefs game with, a, uh, with her husband, even if it would have been someone like Kelsey, uh, and a baby in a stroller, this wouldn't be happening?
2: No, I, I I think that's part of the appeal for her, and 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 what's sad is that this this phenomenon where we have a lot of a young people never getting married, never, um, you know, n- not having families. That's it. That's a civilizational problem, mm-hmm. right? That means that we're not we're going to not have the replacement rates that we need uh, in our country. We're going to see economic issues like they have in Japan, um, but Democrats don't care because what this means for them. They don't, they're not looking ahead to the future, right, the civilizational decline. They're looking at the electoral votes and, and and the way that they're going to win politically. And that is by destroying the family and by keeping women isolated.
1: We're talking to Avita Duffy-Alonso. You can find her piece at thefederalist.com. I think you and I have talked about this before, Avita, and I've mentioned to you that um, when I was in my early 20s, um, i was i was married before i was twenty five but I was one of the later ones a lot of my friends were married uh in their early twenties almost every one of my friends was married before they hit their late twenties that 's obviously not the case and you are in that um in that uh generation right now uh is this something that um happened organically that that uh people in your generation just Identified with her because of this, do you think, or did, or has it been pushed upon them?
2: It's a good question. So, I, I think that there is. A, they, they call it a dink lifestyle, right? It's a it's a dual income, no kids lifestyle, right? That's that's very attractive. Yeah, yeah let me stop you there for a minute,
1: Avita, because I want to I want you to uh, talk about that because I saw I only just recently saw something on TikTok or something somewhere up on X some uh a couple of people from your generation a man and a woman and they were talking proudly saying they were dinks D I N K could you expand on that a little bit you just mentioned there what a dink is
2: yeah so a dink is a, is a couple who have dual income and no kids mm-hmm. um so they 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 will brag in these videos about all the things that they get to do and buy because they have no kids so they're sort of bragging about how great their life is um, as, as two single adults living together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I, I think that there's a couple things happening. I think that is attractive to a lot of young people because we're a culture that doesn't actually value family or life. Um, people grow up in a world that abortion is commonplace, assisted suicide is commonplace. Um, we're also a culture that, that, that resists responsibility, right? We, we, we allow our kids to really never grow up. They go to college where it becomes not real time for studying, but... A prolonged adolescence, uh, unsupervised, it's 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 actually become really out of control. So there's that. Um, there's also the added aspect of we're living in a in a in a Biden economy where people actually sometimes they can't afford kids. There are some people who want kids, but they um, they're now. Glamorizing the dink lifestyle because they know that if they had kids, uh, it would be financially ruinous for them. Mm. Uh, but I, but I think more importantly, it's that war culture that doesn't value life, and and that's why Taylor Swift is able to garner her lifestyle um, is able to garner the the kind of. Uh, intrigue and an influence that it does because that we were were a prime culture for a taylor swift to become an icon a cultural icon and that is a very sad thing um and that is something that is going to have civilizational social problems for years and years to come for us
1: and i think i saw that 70 percent of women in your age group voted democrat in 2022
2: I'm sorry, say that again, you just cut I think, out.
1: I think I saw that 70 uh, percent of women in your age group, uh, 20s, um, they voted for Democrats in 2022.
2: Yes. Yeah. So they this is a very d- dependable voting block for Democrats that they and, and I. And there, there's some reasons for this. Um, young women tend to uh, women in general, they tend to vote Republican when they are married. Um, and have kids or and or have kids mm-hmm. Be, because I think that they they realize they don't need the government to step in right they're They have grounding and security provided by their family. And so all of the the free stuff sort of uh, um Promises that Democrats make are much less attractive to a married woman than an unmarried woman. But when you're an unmarried woman and you're alone in the world and you're trying to make it in a big city in a little apartment by yourself with a job and an employer who doesn't love you, uh, Democrats somehow their policies and their their vision for the future become a lot more attractive. Um, And that's that's certainly why Democrats love Taylor Swift and the lifestyle that she promotes. And that's why they want to keep millions of young women in that lifestyle, even though they know, everybody knows that it's going to leave them deeply, deeply unhappy.
1: We're talking to Avita Duffy uh, Alonso of The uh, Federalist, uh, who has declared um, um, Taylor Swift as the most insufferable woman in America. So um, what do the men you know, including your husband, I guess, think of her? I'm talking about men in your generation, <laughs> men your age.
2: So my husband's interesting. My husband actually loves Taylor Swift, but the old Taylor Swift, where country. she was. Yes, yeah, she was country, she mm-hmm. was sweet, she sang sort of. Very, very hopeful, very cute love songs. Um, I like, I like old Taylor Swift too. But something's happened in her. There's been a poison in her, a bitterness in her over the years that has changed her music into something that it didn't used to be. Um, and that's what I think is really, really poisonous uh, in our culture. And listen, I think people can like Taylor Swift, and she's a, like, she has a better voice than I do. I'm not going to begrudge <laughs> her that. I mean, she certainly does. Uh, but that doesn't mean that she is a positive cultural force and that doesn't mean that her music is 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 sophisticated or or Uh, uniquely creative it's not it's it's very it's very contrived it's definitely produced it's very all the songs are very similar to one another there was a pianist who actually broke it down and said that over 20 of her songs included the same chord uh, progression Mm -hmm. this is not a woman who's very musically creative and i i don't i so then i think well if she's not if she's not the time person of the year because she's an incredible artist and she's not that incredible of a person why are they pushing on us? And that's where I think things become a little more insidious.
1: Yeah, it was um, William F. Buckley uh, said of uh, Mick Jagger that this was at the height of the Rolling Stones popularity when they first became really popular. He said, Mick Jagger, comma, who sings about as well as every fourth person in the New York City phone book. That's, so it's nothing <laughs> new for, you know, for generational conflict when it comes to taste in music
2: no it's not and and i don't it's so i i will say i i don't hate taylor swift songs necessarily there is a lot of ones that i grew up with that i'm sure i have much more of an affinity toward than my parents who never grew up with her who kind of don't understand the hype at all i totally get that um but i there is there is a way to to quantify songs and how good they are and and whether they're they're sincerely creative and there's something very mathematical very corporate about taylor swift um which i think is not is not what it what what an american music icon is all about or at least should be um, we, I, I i i'm not i'm a young person but i love i love the 1970s um, <laughs> and the rock and roll era i thought that i think there was a lot of, of really good music that came out of that time period and as somebody who didn't grow up in it I can admit that, and I think um, most people, if they were honest with themselves, would say, yeah, Taylor Swift has some catchy tunes, but is she, is she an incredible artist? Probably not.
1: Yeah, Well, I, I, I'm glad you appreciate the music of my era. My dad used to make me—he he told me that the Beatles would last about two weeks— and then uh, he made me listen to jazz and blues and things like that, which I still like. So it's good to have uh, varied taste in music. And that was a great piece you wrote. That's why I wanted to have you on the radio to talk about it, Avita.
2: Well, thanks so much for having me. It was, a, it was a joy talking to you.
1: Okay, thank you. That's Avita Duffy Alonso, and I'll be right back. Well, paying college uh, students to play football or basketball really is nothing new. It's been going on for a long time. But until recently, it was the megastar players who were getting paid, and that was under the table mostly, or if not all under the table. We've come a long way. The new president of the NCAA, Charlie Baker, is proposing that college athletes be paid a salary. In other words, make them professional athletes. Steve Godfrey of the Washington Post and the Slot Zone Duo podcast is here to explain what it all means. Uh, Steve, thanks for coming on. Hi, hey, thanks for having me. So has uh, Charlie Baker, the president there, just given up and decided to eliminate uh, a lot of the BS that's been around for 40 or 50 years?
3: Well, either give up or die. So <laughs> you tend to change your position when faced with your your own mortality as an organization. And the NCAA is quite lucrative still. So they're trying to maintain some sort of functionality and doing the, doing the right and human thing, which is, paying people who are generating billions of dollars for you is finally on the table because they got so roundly trounced which is the creative word that i'll use on the radio mm-hmm. uh, by the supreme court a couple years ago in the austin case
1: yeah uh and, and how might this actually save uh fans of the major programs some money
3: uh well that's
1: it may or may not, to be totally honest, because I think what
3: you're alluding to is the current NIL system. And so in the current system, what happened after the Alston case was that the NCAA said that student athletes are allowed to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. That's why you always hear NIL talked about. The yeah. problem is schools can't fund it directly. That's still against the NCAA rules. So what you had this year especially were a lot of head coaches who are compensated a tremendous amount of money basically going out and sort of stumping for people to, to donate, you know, the way you would throw into like a church basket, hundred bucks here, 10 bucks here, that kind of thing to fund NIL programs so that their, their players wouldn't leave in the transfer portal and go somewhere where they could get a little couple, you know, extra dollars. So this sounds incredibly stupid. It is, but it's just less, it's, it's less stupid than in years past.
1: And how does this mean uh, money for the average football and basketball players and athletes, in non-major sports. Are they going to get some of this?
3: Yeah. So it's all a proposal right now. None of it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. And it still basically has to go through a pretty lengthy legislative process inside the NCAA. But what the proposal that, that kind of got strategically leaked out to some NCAA sympathetic media this week outlines is that this has to adhere to Title IX. So you can't simply just, you know, pay the football players which is going to be, you know, there was never a model in place in NIL that accounted for Title IX, which is there are already some lawsuits that have been filed about this. Um, the, the proposal, by the way, says you can keep NIL. If you still want to do a fan-funded NIL, you can do that, although I think that model will shift dramatically. The big, the big sort of aha moment is that under the proposal, you can simply just establish a trust from the university to pay athletes. It has to be a minimum of $30,000 a year per scholarship athlete. So, you know, some schools carry 100 scholarship athletes. Some schools carry 400 scholarship athletes. You do the, you do, start doing the math on that. And if you are a reasonably sized program that has a reasonable following, you know, your games are on ESPN, you're looking at somewhere between anywhere five ten million $10 million a year as a budget item. Now, that assumes that people are just going to pay the minimum. Of course, anyone who follows college sports knows that, you know, the power programs are immediately going to pay more than $30,000 per athlete. Millions. Yeah. Man, I don't know. if Millions is possible, to be honest.
1: Really? Why not? Aren't they? Aren't they? Play, aren't players making millions on NIL deals now? Most of the NIL
3: reporting that you're seeing is completely unverified. Really? NILs are private right now, mm-hmm. and so you're seeing a lot of speculative nonsense. You're also seeing a lot of coaches whine, essentially, mm-hmm. um, because they don't really know what's going on, and coaches crave control. Have some. Have a tiny, maybe two handful level of athletes made. Two commas in NIL, yes. Mm-hmm. But that trend is also going to work itself out. Because this was a completely unregulated market, the NCAA did nothing. They threw their hands up after the Olson ruling. There was no one to set any sort of limits or boundaries or even have any kind of transparency. The reality is, under this rule, you can pay athletes, but you've got to pay all of them. You've got to figure out a way to make this Title Nine compliant, and you've got to figure out a way where you're not just dumping $20 million on a running back.
1: Yeah, that's so, what I was going to ask you. Uh, um... Does a so so a woman on the swimming team at Ohio's not? Well, let's not even use Ohio State. Let's use a lesser. Let's say uh, Indiana or Purdue. A woman on the Indiana swimming team is going to make the same amount of money that the maybe the starting offensive tackle on the Indiana football team could be making.
3: Potentially, yes. But again, all of this has to go through a pretty extensive process. So i don't think that you know will there be ways for a school to compensate all athletes and then also yeah. create a differential for revenue sport athletes absolutely
1: yeah that's, that
3: will probably happen with Nil revision to be totally honest with you
1: yeah that's what uh, was uh, that I was having trouble with is that um, this this whole all of this started the I, and by the way I covered sports for forty years so i, I you know I've I covered college football and I was a Mostly, I was a sports guy for a long time, um, so I, you know, I kind of get what's going on here in college football. But um, this was all, this all began because it was unfair to players. I think it started more with the NCAA tournament for some reason, basketball, than it did with football. But as you know, it all started with people starting to say that this is just unfair. These kids. Are uh, they're producing zillions of dollars in revenue and they're not getting anything for it? And right. now we're, you're, you're, they're getting to the point where, according to what you're writing about here, they want to pay someone a thirty thousand dollars a year to swim when there aren't twelve people at the swim meet. Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, it's look. Y- 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 there's a
3: reductive way of looking at this, but the bottom line is that some of these, some of these sports are making a tremendous amount of money.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Now are some, are some sports inherent revenue losers? Are they, are they an actual sort of like red line item in the budget? Yeah, that's true too. But the reality is, is that title nine is a real thing and you have to find a way to operate within those bounds. We've already seen even years after title nine was passed, gross disparities inside the ncaa on how men and women are treated Mm
4: -hmm.
3: so the idea that you can just ignore all that and just look at television ratings or ticket sales as the factor for compensation would only increase that gulf. i would also point out that women's basketball has had better ratings better attendance than it ever has because there was investment put in it so if you just want to go line item by who's showing up at the events you're going to end up in
1: court pretty fast. Yeah, and this is this gets me. And we're we're talking uh, to Stephen Godfrey of the Washington Post and also the Slot Zone Duo podcast. Um, this is what, uh, and I've been I was talking about this back when I was covering sports and writing columns and uh, saying that it, it I've been saying it for a long time that the college has been college football is less of, and college major college football and basketball has. Has been less about college uh, for a long than, than than it has been about football and basketball for a long, long time, and I don't understand. You know, you still have to you still have to talk about Title Nine, and if this proposal goes through, that you, you're, there, it looks like they're still going to, going to be trying to make all this happen within the structure of what we've known as college football, basketball, and all the other sports. But why even have college be part of it? what What is the point? Uh, you know, a baseball player can go play minor league baseball, a hockey player can play minor league hockey, but a football mm-hmm. player has to show up in English in English class, and then you know this could be a kid making a couple hundred thousand bucks a year and he, he has to pretend he's a college student. When does that go away?
3: Probably never. Yeah, um, you know the reality is, is there's, these are brands. And whether it makes sense or not, whether it has some sort of logic that works for 2023 and beyond is not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is that people live and die because of the schools that they buy T-shirts of. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, nobody lives and dies with single A baseball. They just don't. You know, so no, if you're no, a 19-year-old, no, no. yeah, if you're a 19-year-old pitcher and you need four or five years of development before you can throw in the majors. That's you go. You go to high A ball, and then mm-hmm. you move your way up, and nobody really cares, right?
1: Yeah, but there's no, there's no, nobody's ever here in Pittsburgh. Nobody ever cared or asked what Sidney Crosby's uh, SAT scores were, or or well, no, Andrew McCutcheon, who signed out of high well, right, school.
3: Right, but know? Sidney Crosby was also playing in front of massive crowds when he was 15 years old. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the national juniors, I mean, Sidney Crosby was a household name in an entire nation before he got to Pittsburgh. Yeah, But, like, in terms of, like, I, I kind of get where you're going with this, but the reality is football is never going to be like that. No. Basketball might at some point, but football is never going to be like that because of, one, the physical toll of the sport, two, the tradition, and three, the development structure still routes through college.
1: Well, why why so, couldn't this – I know this is crazy, and I know it's never going to happen, but why couldn't Alabama have a team, the state of Alabama, have a team in a league that includes also a team from Ohio – and a team from Michigan, and a team from Southern California, and a team. from— Well, I mean,
3: that's going to happen in ten years. Yeah, yeah. They're talking about the Super League concept.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it has. But just take the college out of it. it has, the college has nothing to do with it. The college has everything to do with the identity of the consumer. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. But at some point, it, it could. Could you make it? This the people in Alabama are out there screaming and yelling because their jersey says Alabama on it, but it has nothing to do with the right. college.
3: Right, but it hasn't had anything to do with a college in the formal literal yeah. in the specific sense yeah. since the 1920s. Right. This has happened a lot more than people realize. I mean, there used to the entire reason transfer rules existed was because in the Midwest people would literally follow the harvest and there were stories in the 19 I think it's like the 1920s of you know migrant farm workers who were enrolling at universities, you know, at different times and playing for different teams in the same season. Oh yeah,
4: yeah. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
3: Sports yeah. has always been exploiting the a concept of the liberal arts education, and it has for years. And by the way, this all starts in the Ivies. You know, the idea of the posturing, the idea of, look, I, I've been in the locker room at Army after they beat Navy. And the first thing that they do is have a four-star general walk in there and tell the cadets they don't have to go to class on Monday or something like that. You yeah. know, that's reductive. But yeah. uh, but you get my point. Like, yeah. this, is, this is just the way of it. Oh, I mean, yeah. I can get into a much more socioeconomic history of it. You're in Pittsburgh, so it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But entire large quantities of the United States never had pro sports.
1: Oh, yeah. And here's another thing, since you, since, since you brought up being in Pittsburgh. Um, how does this make it even – doesn't this make it even tougher, this proposal, if not impossible, for the second-tier programs to compete with the usual 10 or 12 mega programs? And, and I, uh, Major League Baseball, by not having a salary cap, basically killed the Pirates. So, as at least as the pirates that I knew growing growing up, so
3: pirates did a pretty good job of killing the pirates
1: too. Well, no, no, they've done they've done a nice job. But we have here in Pittsburgh, we have three major league teams. Two of them are in leagues with salary caps, and they've won a combined eleven championships in the last I don't know twenty some years. And the pirates have right. not won in forty four years. So, I, Pitt is not going to be able to compete with Ohio State. For money. Pitt can't
3: with, compete with Ohio State anyway, though.
1: No, that's right. That's right. So it's, that's what I'm saying. Does it make it even less likely that they're ever going to break through?
3: I mean, think they, they've never been able – I mean, most schools never have been able to in the modern era. Mm-hmm. And it's just how much are you going to buy into that illusion? And then, you know, what are you comfortable with telling yourself? Yeah. That's part of it. Pitt had his best season in years, two years ago, and still was never a legit competitor for to go to the national championship.
1: No, they. Now, a 12,
3: a 12 team format will help that a little bit, but most of that's just going to be a placeholder for other rich schools who are just on the outside of the four.
1: Now, here's another question I have. And I, um, th- these, the paying players to play, if you, again, I know under, I understand that it's, it might be naive to to look at this in, in its purest form, but it, it, it started out, it was supposed to be, and as you mentioned, there was plenty of cheating going on. But it used to be college kids playing football, and, and some of them would get scholarships. Uh, and now if you're, the, the, how many actual kids who are, are actual college material who could really benefit from getting their college education paid for because they're going to actually be real college students, are going to be kept out because a kid is taking up the spot because he's being paid 50, 60, 100,000 bucks a year. And doesn't, do you mean like a normal
3: college student being held out? Because that wouldn't happen.
1: Or do you no, mean, no, 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 no. I mean an athlete. An athlete who's, uh, you know, a kid who... Well, the who, best athletes are going to play. I mean, there's look, there's no shortage of football programs in the
3: United States right now. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's more being created every day. Mm-hmm. At the division, I mean, they're starting at the division, the FCS level, the subdivision below FBS. There's also division two and division three programs that are starting. The idea of you being able to have an you know, achieve an education, a four year degree on scholarship is still possible. And if you're the best athlete, you've always been the best athlete and the best athlete has always been recruited to the top program. So that's not changing. You know, the, the money comes in because there's demand going in that direction.
1: Well, I guess what I'm saying is a uh, if I'm a college student and I'm not good enough to be even involved in this new proposal where they're going to pay me money. Um, uh, and I, I, I really would like to have a scholarship, and I want to go play football. Well, then you
3: can go – I mean, then you would just go play. It, that, that's not changing anything. Like, if you are not good enough to play at Ohio State, then you'll go to Pitt or you'll go to a Mac school. No, what I'm saying UMass. is uh,
1: if, I, if the kids who were playing at Ohio State and making all this money were playing minor league football instead of taking up space at Ohio State, maybe Ohio no State – No one would
3: watch. Literally no one would watch. The sport would end tomorrow.
1: Well, you know, Bino Bino Cook was a good friend of mine, and he used to say maybe he was wrong, but he was known as the Pope of college football. He used to say, you know, no matter what you do, if you get Ohio State and Michigan to play each other, there will be a hundred thousand people in the stadium. Doesn't matter uh, how, it, how good the players I, are.
3: I, I love look, I love Bino, and I love. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it, Bino's funny to me because he had such a an obvious sort of slanted bias towards someone like Notre Dame. Right. Again, the, these exceptions have been created for years. We're just actually putting names on it now. And the reality is, is if you tell people they can't make money, like alternatives will arise. Mm-hmm. So what you're proposing, what you're saying is we shouldn't pay these kids and we should just create a minor league. That's not going to stop boosters from schools. If you out, uh, First off, they can't anymore. It's illegal. The Supreme right. Court said you cannot do that. Right. The second right. thing is, if the best and most entertaining athletes in football exist, and they do because they're all American, essentially, they will be lured to play college football by the boosters and people who run college football. You can do it above the board. You can do it. You can do it below the board. Mm-hmm. Well, hey. nothing is really changing. We're just taking a transaction over the table.
1: Hey, Steve, I'm out of time. Uh, really good discussion. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how far this proposal goes, and maybe we'll have you on again when it uh, gains a little bit more ground. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Okay, that's Steve Godfrey, Washington Post, and the Slot Zone Duo podcast. I'll be right back. I guess today's a good day to finish uh, a little uh, sports discussion with a little bit more sports. I want to follow up on that we just had this the discussion we just had with Steve Godfrey thank him for coming on but um i this whole thing with and, and the proposal by this Charlie Baker guy the uh, the president of the NCAA, it's it's probably more honest and makes more sense than the hip, hypocritical stupid uh, dishonest um, methods that they go through now that are an insult to everybody's intelligence but And guys like Steve who write about this, I've had a couple of discussions on this show with them, and um, I just maybe it's me. I just can't get through. I can't. Maybe it's me. I I can't get it into my head that it's that it needs to be college football. What does college have to do with it? If you're going to pay the kids to play, you're taking the as, as Steve said, it's a brand. So you're taking the brand of Ohio State, but it's not Ohio State. It's Ohio State University, okay? Ohio is a state. Ohio State University is a college. And nobody likes sports more than I do. And I loved college football. But it's they they need to stop with the stupidity and just figure out a way for kids who are 18 and 19 and 20 years old and not allowed into the NFL because the NFL has a rule that says if you – if your high school class has not graduated three years ago, until it has been three years since your class graduated, you can't play NFL football. Until they get, if they, until they get rid of that rule, it's not going to change. But it's the NFL that's holding it up, not college football. Stop calling it college football. Figure and figure out. I'll be dead before this happens, but figure out a way to have these nineteen, twenty-year-old, really, really good football players play get paid and have nothing to do with going to english class i'll talk to you tomorrow
0: three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells